Hey everyone, it's Matt. And this is Lucas. And this is Thanks for Playing. The podcast where we break down the most iconic video games the world has to offer. Ha! All right. <laughs> I was waiting for more. Getting very efficient. Uh, two years, you know, in the making. I think we're, we're getting well, a quicker here. Well, you know, it's it's 930. Um, it's true. So you got, you got to be considerate of the uh of the young folk these days or the old folk rather <laughs> how's it going man? building it's good man i i gotta say um i'm pretty i'm a little upset i'll tell you why let me hear it attack on titan part three final, final season, season part final, final season, season part three. three you know i'm all i'm all i i understand you know every corporate corporation every business is going to milk whatever they can as much as they can for money but goddamn part three like come on for those of you that don't know um the uh, attack on titan final season um which for all intents and purposes is now three separate seasons um has had a first part of which enter of which aired originally um at the beginning of uh like a year ago yeah, December it was it started and started airing around January 2021, ran for about three months. Then there this was a part two, part two ran from around January 2022 until just this last weekend. Um, so up until around the beginning of April. And now, naturally, they just announced an Attack on Titan final season part three, which has aired, which is going to be airing um Sometime in 2023, presumably, presumably somewhat in the same time frame, which <laughs> so, it's so silly. I'm just really not a fan of it. And I, I feel like it's slightly. It's not problematic. I just don't like the precedent in sense. Well, it it's it's like this like marketing ploy that is so transparent that it's almost insulting where it's like final yeah. season attack on Titan part two. OK, so it's split up into two parts. Now there's a third part. It's like, okay, dude, you, it's not the final, it was never the final season. And it, it, I don't know. It's weird though. Cause I don't, it, it's not even so much that they're milking it. Right. Just from what I've watched, I think that the amount of episodes you have makes sense to tell the story from the manga at a, at a good pace without rushing things. I think the pacing makes sense. So it's not even that it's just, I'd rather them just do like one big season of 26 episodes. Like that's not an abnormal thing to have an anime that's 26 episodes, right? For a season. Some are even longer than that. So I'd rather them just do something like that or no more than two seasons max or two parts max, <laughs> I guess, whatever they want to call it. It uh, it just feels very bizarre and frustrating to the fans who basically have to wait an extra Actually, it's like three years just to get a final conclusion on the quote final season. Two years, maybe. I don't know. Whatever. Yeah, but, it'll, uh, it will it, have it, been two over two years since the final season started. Yeah, that the final season absurd. ends. Yeah, yeah. it's but, pretty um, weird. It's pretty weird. I mean, think about it. If I told you, like, oh, dude, season five of Game of Thrones is going to be two years long, but there's going to be two breaks in between. Like, there's going to be yeah, two. Like, you, you'd be like, yeah. okay, so you mean season six and season seven? It just doesn't make any sense. Um, from like kind of a the definitions of what we think of as seasons or sort of like our way of thinking about them yeah it just, just totally marketing. like gives it takes away any credibility from the concept of a season <laughs> i don't know <laughs> I, i'm happy that they're giving the studios time to really animate it and really like do not have to do i'm sure they're crunching regardless but probably not as ridiculous of a crunch as they would have otherwise but at the same time i don't know i just think it can maybe execute it better but 
they were also is what it this, is. I mean, they were planning this to do it this rollout since the very beginning. So yeah. like, it's not yeah. like I mean, they could have just called it season what season five, season six, then season seven. But they love the the kind of idea of the final season, like having so much like oomph behind it. Yeah, you know that's yeah. that's just it's my hard. guess behind why they do it that way. I mean, yeah. yeah, you know, pacing it and avoiding crunch is great um, for for the people that are animating it. I get all that. Um, but it's clearly just a marketing team that's handling um, the Mappa animation stuff is like, oh, this is final season. <laughs> so yeah. you do it. Yeah. Um, uh, this is the final episode of Thanks for Playing, by the way, but we're splitting it up into infinite number of parts. <laughs> indefinite. Amount yeah, indefinite. Yeah. But this is the final episode. So there you go. I mean, it's just yeah. that silly. Yeah. <laughs> Dang. You saw over the weekend, you saw everything everywhere. Oh, all or thank you. Thank you. Thank you for asking me about that. Um, yeah, I saw uh, everything everywhere, e everything everywhere, all at once. Um, a film by the Daniels, um, who are a Daniel, a duo, filmmaking duo, uh, both named Daniel. They made the um, turn down for what music video, which is like a very famous music video. And they're they're a music video uh, director duo for the most part. They also made a movie called Swiss Army Man. Um, which oh. I saw years ago when it came out. How yeah, was that? I wanted Gleason to see that one and um, yeah. Daniel Radcliffe. Yeah, it's good. It's good. It's, it's Paul it's Dano and Dana Radcliffe, isn't it? Oh, did I say? Yeah. Wait, is it? Yeah, yeah, it's Paul Dano. Yeah, Man. You know the guy, Paul Dano. You know. <laughs> well, I knew it was Daniel Radcliffe. I, I guess I got a little confused there. Um, that movie is really cool. It's really out there. Um, it's it's kind of weird. Uh, Everything Everywhere All at Once is also uh, pretty out there, but I, I thought it was awesome. It was just... It, it went from 1 to 2 to 8 to 10 to 11, like all the way to 100, like it was it was pretty insane i didn't see any trailers for it so i was pretty caught off guard by a lot of where the plot went uh it was it was really really awesome and it was a great great watching experience um my brother i've, I've mentioned this before my brother's part of the directors guild of america so it gets access to some some cool screenings so there's actually a q a afterwards uh with the daniels um where you know saw them in the flesh they talked about the movie they were really down to earth super cool um and really funny uh, so their personalities really, really shine through into the movie and, uh, it was great. Highly recommend that one to anybody. Hell yeah. Can't wait. I'm going to try and see it this weekend, I think, or tomorrow should. even. All right. Well, you know, just as in Swiss army man, Paul Dano tried to simulate a real human being slash Swiss army knife <laughs> nice. today, everyone, we are talking about sim games. The origin right. of sim games, what they're all about. You know, this is pretty broad, right? I think um, what everyone's probably going to jump into or where everyone's going to go with these kind of games, you know, is going to be The Sims, right? The Sims. Yeah, I think that's kind yeah. of the flagship. Um, but there's so many derivatives of sim games and so many sim games that aren't The Sims, you know, Roller Coaster Tycoon. Um, so many, roller coaster so many tycoon. things like that. Yeah, so yeah. we can uh, get into it. Yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll start us off. You know, um, I think arguably the first sim game is uh, John Conway's Game of Life, 1970. Um, John John Conway, pretty interesting guy. Um, you know, a mathematician, English mathematician, uh, born in 1937. It's so insane that I, we can think that you know the very first sim game was designed by someone born in 37. Um, you know, kind of shows the uh, long history of like how, you know, these games were made when they were made and sort of the primordial ooze that I like to say um, about some of these games and where they came from. Um, you know, John John Horton Conway was getting his career started 
um, was an active uh, mathematician in theory of finite groups, not theory, number theory, um, combinatorial game theory, which I don't even know what that is, coding theory, which I, I can make a guess of what that is, um, <laughs> as well as uh, contributions to many branches of recreational uh, mathematics, and really credited for his game, uh, which is Game of Life. Um, game of Life is uh, really interesting in its concept. It's very simple. Um, it's basically imagine a um, you know infinite grid, um, you know of of just a checkerboard grid that goes in infinite directions, right? And you can map or you know turn certain dots sort of on, and each dot that's on, think of that as it, as an individual sort of a life on the board, right? Uh, the rules are very simple. If you have one person or one square that's lit up, and it only has one neighbor, then it both those squares will die after one tick, okay? After one calculation or tick or whatever you want to call it. If it is touching four or more squares, it will die as well due to overpopulation. That's what sort of the flavor is there. If it has exactly two or three neighbors, it will survive and actually create another one, okay? So it's sort of these, these three simple rules where uh, you can set the stage and then hit play and all these ticks will calculate an infinite number of times as long as you keep the program running and we will see the way it will play out. Um, this game uh, became widely known in 1970 because of an article published in Scientific America. Um, it's been thought about, it's been theorized. You can actually Google it, gameoflife.com uh, and find the game available to play on your browser. Um, it's, it's very compelling, I would say, in its simplicity because, you know, it's actually surprisingly hard to create an infinite loop of life within this grid. I mean, it sounds easy, but, you know, the first thing I did was just create a nine, a three by three, nine grid of all of the lights kind of lit up, hit play, ran the simulation for life and everything died very quickly. Um, <laughs> too much population density, I guess. Um, and people have discovered, quote, discovered uh, different uh, arrangements within these grids to make it so that, you know, things continue on indefinitely. Uh, this is, I mean, I would argue really sort of the first simulation. I mean, it is sort of simulating the uh, burgeoning of life, birth of life, how things move over. I mean, it's quite literally talking about overpopulation or solitude or mating um, and creating of new life within it and kind of the direction that those things take. Uh, super interesting. I know I sent it to you, Matt, and you got you got a chance to kind of mess with it a little bit. I'm not sure if you you played with it a ton, but um, I mean, personally, I thought it was, it was pretty cool. Yeah, it's fascinating. I mean, it just illustrates, I think, really simple ideas at a very macro level, which is fun to watch. And I think the kind of creativity, not creativity, well, it, yeah, creativity that it sparked from people in the community kind of try, trying to figure out how they can make like these infinite things within the game. Um, or these infinite patterns or what, what right. have you is pretty, pretty fascinating. Pretty cool. Yeah. yeah. And, um, you know, this, this has been cited by a lot of philosophers. Um, you know, I, I'm the name slipping my mind of not atheists, uh, deists, right? Like people that sort of feel that the universe was created, um, but we're not actively being, um, you know, helped or worshiped or anything by any sort of higher being, you know, sort of like, you know, this this game really simulates this kind of like, here are the rules, four simple, three, three, four simple rules. Here's the grid. Bam, 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 hit play and then watch it play out. Right. It's quite literally like 
you know, the, the creation of the universe by some people believe this is how the universe really operates is, you know, there's very specific sets of rules that govern our world and our life, our universe in the form of physics or life or what have you. And things started and this is where we've gotten right and calculations are being ran. A lot of people even make the argument that we are living in a simulation. Um, obviously, we love to talk about that on the pod <laughs> and love <laughs> to entertain that. Um, you know, I think this is sort of the the inkling of, you know, the very first ideas of like, you play this game and you go, whoa, okay, I can see how this can get pretty deep. Um, I can see how philosophers can really gravitate towards this one. Um, to wrap it up, you know, uh, John Conway uh, passed away actually in 2020 at the age of 82, uh, April, April 2020, due to complications from COVID-19, unfortunately. So died a little young, you know, 80, 80, he made it to 82, probably could have gotten a few more years um, out of that one there, um, but definitely had a, a very storied life and, and contributed a lot to mathematics um, and gave us a game, a simulation game that we can play today. And what year did this come out again, the 70s? 1970. 1970. Remarkable. That is so just incredible to <laughs> think about. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So moving on, I, I just want to uh, fast forward real quick and I'll, we'll jump back into sort of the origins of this. But, um, you know, The Sims. Matt, you played The Sims. Tell me about that. Played a lot of Sims. Um, I It started with playing just The Sims, the original Sims. Um, specifically, I want to be clear because I think sim games right now, as I mentioned earlier, is a pretty broad topic. But totally. Uh, well, I, I did play some roller coaster tycoons. Specifically, I played a lot of The Sims, and then I played a lot of The Sims too. And there was a Game Boy game called. It was mentioned in um, a video we watched for research, the Urban Sims or something like that. I forget. yeah yeah um, the Sim Herb the Herbs. Sims, the Sims, the herbs, I believe is what it was called. There I remember was a that game. version and I had the Game Boy version and yeah, you know, it, it's interesting and I, I think, I think we'll get into it, but the Sim games, you know, when you, when you look at a game, right, you typically think of it as something that has a very clear goal, you know, a very clear defined objective of a way of whether you win or whether you lose. And no matter what type of game genre it is, that's typically a consistency among all games. You know, whether you're playing Elden Ring, you win by beating the single player mode or becoming the Elden Lord. If you're playing, you know, Valorant, you win by eliminating the enemy members and gaining a point at the end of the round and having the most points to win the match. You know, no matter what game you play, that is a consistency in almost everything, um, even single player games, right? But The Sims, there is no, there is no goal per se, right? You just exist in this little little space this little unique space that exists only to you but within that little space is can be potentially its own flourishing world with people interacting with one another sims that you create interacting with one another forming relationships with communities uh within that sims universe and it's so fascinating and i have just so many great memories of it you know growing up my sister and i uh shout outs to sarah we always had so much no, actually, I was about to lie. We didn't always have so much fun playing games together because we always <laughs> argue over who got to use the computer or the PlayStation or like whenever I'd, I don't know what it was like, you know, That's if I couldn't, thing. I know if I couldn't play, right. I'd be like, all right, well, let me watch you play. Then she'd be like, no, no, she wouldn't let you watch. She, she wouldn't let you watch. I, I think I would provide too much color commentary, like a backseat gamer kind of. Um, so I, I, I think like I would, that was I the, think I'd annoy the her. duty of the younger sibling was to just watch 
and just I, I would, but like I'd have to be quiet, you know. Mm, okay. Yeah. yeah, and I, you know, me, I'm not a, I'm not a quiet guy. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so <laughs> we would, but one, uh, we each had games that we like. Some we shared in common, but one we always share in common, and always each played over the years would compare like what's going on in our individual worlds was The Sims. So it's a game that has a very special place in my heart and. The appeal of them is so fascinating because when you look at it from the outside looking in, it's not something that really should have any appeal. You know, why would I, you know, look at my, you know, live my life nine to five and then go in and play a Sims game, which I don't know how the demographics, but I'm willing to bet that more of the people that do play these games are younger that haven't actually experienced life properly yet. <laughs> um, you know, I, I, I'll i be perfectly candid and maybe it's just because I, have the benefit of having played some games in the past, but you know, I don't, as I work my nine to five job, you know, today, eight to five, whatever you want to call it. I don't want to go and simulate someone else's life today, but I think growing up where you haven't really experienced life at all. And when you're just a kid with all the time in the world, it's an incredible experience. Yeah. Well, it's funny. I mean, it's funny you mentioned that. It just reminds me of that, that joke on the office where Dwight is playing second life. And he says, yes, I'm playing Second Life. It's a game that that is, I forget, the, I'm paraphrasing here, but it's like, oh, I know yes, what you're it's a game about, where, yeah. where it imitates life. And yes, and it's just I am a sales, <laughs> I, it's him. He's like, I am a sales, I am assistant to the regional manager. I sell paper, but yeah. I can fly. Or he's just like, <laughs> and also, I could fly. <laughs> it's like, it's kind of funny. I, I think sim games are, are really interesting in that way. Like, I kind of wrote on our note sheet here, like, you know, what does make the sim game as a genre so compelling or so interesting. And there's so many sim games. I mean, I kind of went down the rabbit hole, just like went on YouTube and looked up, you know, top 10 sim games like 2020. Um, there are sim games that now simulate like driving trucks through hazardous terrain. So you have to worry about gear, gas, snow, mud, physics, um, what trailers you're using, how far you have to drive, um, like curvature. Um, there's a PC building simulator that simulates like how you diagnose problems with the PC and build them. It's like quite literally a job that somebody has, you know, like that works at like a PC repair shop. It's simulating that you use actual I mean, yeah, PC parts. There's flight simulator, right? Which is used yeah. for a variety of actual training purposes or research purposes for flying. There is, I mean, so much out there. Yeah. For sim Go duck or goose, goose simulator is what it was. Right? Uh, goat, goat simulator. There's a good simulator. Uh, go untitled a, Goose Game. I think, untitled uh, Goose Game. That's not a, is that yeah. a simulator though? I think it's like a simulator parody. Maybe more thing. of a role playing well, parody. I don't know. Maybe. I, I think that simulator parody is sort of like an offshoot that's really gotten really big in the last few years where there's like the surger, surge, uh, surgeon simulator. Um, there's like Euro Truck Simulator. Um, I'm, yeah. I, I'm not necessarily sure if all these are parodies outright, but a lot of them are like streamed on Twitch to the point of parody, I'd say. Um, but yeah, car mechanic simulator, hunting simulator, hunting simulator, literally you track an animal for hours and hours and then you eventually kill it and then you, you beat it. Right. Yeah. Or you like beat that level or whatever you have to follow the tracks, all that stuff as realistic as it can possibly get. Um, and these games are sort of like, you know, maybe teaching us a thing or two about something in real life or, you know, creating a simulation in which we can learn, but people play these games for fun. Uh, and you know, I think it's, it's an interesting dynamic. I think it's an interesting question as to why people play these games, um, which we'll try to get to on this episode. 
Um, but before we get into that, I did want to give a little bit of a history lesson on where The Sims games actually came from. Uh, the Sims, the game series that Matt's referring to, uh, those all originated from a company called Maxis. Uh, yes. Maxis still makes The Sims. Uh, they're still big. There's also a Sims studio um, owned by EA, um, both those, and uh, pretty, pretty massive, uh, you know, pretty massive companies in and of themselves creating that, creating those games. Uh, the father of the Sim game, of the Sims and Maxis, um, is a, a person named Will Wright. Uh, Will Wright is a pretty interesting guy. I've been making games since the mid 80s um, on the computer. And he sort of reminded me, like when I was doing my research, kind of reminded me of like the Nolan Bushnell um, era of like game designers, you know, some of the old guard of like Silicon Valley from back in the days where it yeah. was like, you know, it wasn't, uh, it was a very, very small industry of people that were just like, happened to be designing some games, but they were really more computer enthusiasts that got into gaming. Um, you know, on a Ma on an Apple Mac two or whatever, <laughs> you know, before like everything uh, kind of boomed in Silicon Valley. I mean, for my research with Will Wright, he kind of seemed like um, kind of in that era. Um, he designed a, a go ahead. You know, yeah, and no, I was just going to say, I mean, he, he's like such a he's a very well-rounded individual as far as his studies and everything. Right. You know, especially when you look at what he did in college, he was originally studying to be um, an architect, getting an architecture degree. And then he went into mechanical engineering and he fell into computers and robotics. And then a lot of the subjects that he was interested in were things like architecture, economics, you know, uh, military history, language arts. And so cool. When you hear all that and you hear that this is the guy that made the Sims, you're, I mean, that all, I feel that, uh, that's sense, one huh? natural <laughs> progression i feel yeah totally totally it's kind of funny some of those old like kind of pre prehistory like silicon valley guys there was no discipline for like computer science back then you know it was so new and like it was so many people that came from like oh i have like a architecture degree or engineering degree like let me get into computers and like I yeah it was almost like pure you know what i love about that age too is it's pure hobbyist almost it's pure wonder fueling them because there is totally. no established there's no you know, VC, there's no tech company getting funding from a VC <laughs> hoping to like yeah. exploit a niche. Yeah. yeah. And it's, it's not like today where you go to college and you say, oh yeah, of course I'm going to work for Amazon after I graduate college. Cause I'll make a easy 150 K a year starting and I'll be guaranteed that. Right. You know, it's like the people that back then in the late nineties, early two thousands that really dug into computers, it wasn't as sure of a thing, you know, where it was going to go exactly. So really fascinating. Yeah, now, now the, the, it's so, it's so well established. Um, and Will Wright, you know, he was designing a game back in 1984, uh, called the raid on bungling Bay. Uh, and he created SimCity not too long after. Now the, the interesting thing with the raid on bungling Bay is it's sort of a simple, um, helicopter game where mm -hmm. it's like an overhead helicopter game where you're destroying like a, a you know you're raiding a bungling bay whatever it's a pretty simple concept um and what will wright found was that he actually had more fun creating uh the bay and creating what you destroy rather than destroying it um and he he had so much more fun that he it led him to a desire to create a whole new game which he called sim city uh sim city is a, a legendary game um that a lot of people sort of before me and Matt's generation, I think me and Matt, as far as Sim generations, are really the Sims. I myself yeah. played a lot of Roller Coaster Tycoon. Um, played some Sim games that were in like the computer lab at school, like Hot Dog Stand or the Band One, which I was asking Matt if he had this. 
listeners, please, anybody that remembers a band simulator, like going on tour game in your <laughs> computer lab from like 2001, please, please reach out. Um, SimCity sort of a generation before all this kind of stuff. And it was, it was sort of viewed as a free, like no goal in mind. Sort of like what Matt was talking about is no goals in mind. Think of it like a train set or building blocks, you know, give it to the player, let them build whatever they want to build. And they'll come up with their own goals in their head along the way. And, you know, I think that takes me to my first point about what makes simulation games like so compelling is we naturally as human beings will create goals for ourselves when we're given a role set. And, you know, I remember playing Roller Coaster Tycoon back in the day. And, you know, you you build a roller coaster. You have your theme park. You're in build mode. You have a certain amount of money. You build the roller coaster. Okay, cool. Got our first roller coaster. But uh, now people got to walk to it. So now I got to build a path. Okay, well, this path now needs to intersect with this path um, because I want to build a roller coaster this direction. Uh, oh, but, you know, I'm getting a complaint that there's not enough trash cans. Let me put a trash can there. Okay, here's the food court. And you start kind of creating all of these different goals for yourself because the world and what you're building is so free and easy that you naturally start creating problems that you then have to solve, which then create more problems with you gonna have to solve. And these, this is sort of the organic like way that SimCity came into being and sort of what people started really finding they loved. So that's sort of the idea I think behind what makes sim games so compelling. And it's so it's cool because it's so organically sort of it's organically discovered. It's organically yeah. created and desired by the player. And I'm just wondering, you know, I never really played the sim games themselves too much, but were they sort of like that? Yeah, it's. You know, it's interesting because when I reflect on my times in the sim games, I don't remember even having any particular goals in mind or whether or not what I was doing was leading to, you know, I actually I'll say a little bit because for example, you know, let's say my SIM, let's say for whatever reason, their comfort stat is down or their hunger, right? Right. Then I'll go have them eat or I'll go have them sleep. But then while they're sleeping or while they're eating another, well, that stats actively going up, there'll be an inverse of another stat actively going down. I'm like, oh shit, now they're unhappy for whatever reason. So I have to go find a way to entertain them happy. Yeah. happy. <laughs> so it's kind of a perpetuating cycle in that way where it's the infinite loop where you'll never be able to have all the stats up at the same time. And in doing that, it creates constant objectives and constant goals for you to have as a player, even though it's a game that technically doesn't really have goals, any goals. And you could maybe even say like the baseline goal of any Sims game is just keep your Sims alive, right? You know, uh, they, they can die in these games. You know, some can die pretty horrible deaths. Actually, I've seen, I've seen some you of know, those. I think a classic one that every everyone has done, whether they'll admit it or not, is where they put their Sims in a pool and then they, they delete the ladder. Oh, that so one. Sims can't yeah. get out. It's awful. <laughs> um, your house can catch on fire. You know, in retrospect, it's actually some pretty horrible deaths that you're able to <laughs> impart upon them as like a 11 or 10 year old. It, it's, it's interesting in that way. Um, but to answer your question, yes, I think that <laughs> you create the goals for you, yourselves. Yeah. Inevitably by interacting with the world goals organically come up no matter how you're yeah. interacting with it. Yeah. I find that so interesting. Um, cause you know, it, in, in true reality, I mean, I can get, get real like sort of existential here, you know, there's no real goal in life. You know, uh, survive, I guess, eat, sleep, you know, find purpose, be happy, all that kind of stuff. And, you know, those it's like that um, 
the hierarchy of needs, right? It's like your first need is met, just sleep, comfort, a place to live and, and food to eat and everything. Well, but all the goals we create for ourselves, right? Some of them, mm -hmm. you know, people argue are like deep down desires that we that we maybe truly have as humans. But for you know, for the most part, I think so many of our things that we do are self-set. Um, and sim games, it, what I realize is that sim games really tap into that. Um, and I, I find that very, very interesting. Rather than giving you that that binary win-loss goal, get yeah. to point A to point B, it's it it really opens things up to to the player to decide what it is. Uh, very, very compelling stuff. And uh, you know, I think that Will Wright found this out. You know, he had a, a phenomenal career creating these things. Sim City, there's Sim Golf, Sim Ant, Sim Zoo, Sim Life. Um, there's so many, there's so many offshoots of the Sim games that it kind of got milked quite a bit throughout the, uh, the nineties there, uh, until the creation of the Sims, which, um, really had, uh, its hold in the popular culture. I remember Sims commercials on Nickelodeon and Disney channel growing up. I remember Sims were like referenced in pop culture regularly. Mm -hmm. Uh, the Sims yeah. were, were, were really a powerhouse in, as far as branding. Um, and, you know, EA, you know, EA bottom. EA, of course, absorbed that and and is is a whole machine in and of itself, and um, you know they've they've done a pretty good job kind of keeping it going, and uh, you know Will Wright has since then taken off. I believe he took off after The Sims One or Sims Two. I think he was around for Sims Two, and then he left. Um, I gotta say, there's real quick shout out. They had a Sims Ant game. Like I saw that. what it's awesome. <laughs> it, it simulates that, an ant colony. Yeah, just absolutely incredible. But. Yeah, it's super. Like, I think that like any eight-year-old in a computer lab would have lost their mind playing that. Oh like, yeah, back in the day. Um, and honestly, too, I mean, any you could have totally passed that off back in the day as an excuse to teach, like, oh, this game will teach kids life sciences and biology. Oh, you know, totally. Yeah, and I mean, every I think every game to a certain degree is educational, but specifically simulation games. Um, well, right. I'm going to read a quote here in a minute um, about his belief on education. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think he really had it in mind to teach kids. Yeah. I, mean, I think that these totally would have been appropriate in computer labs, um, assuming they weren't, they were, or weren't in them. But, uh, anyway, I wonder what, uh, oh gosh, what's our friend that made the journey, made journey, not journey. Um, the witness. Oh, Jonathan blow. Good I friend. wonder what he thinks of sim games. Yeah. I, I wonder that's actually, a, uh, that'd be cause a I think, you know, his whole big thing, right. Is systems learning. And I think to an extent, I mean, I think a lot of that applies to sim can potentially, I mean, obviously it's a pretty goofy world inherently for the most part, but I think a lot of that could potentially apply to the sim games and, you know, on a macro level in your person, not personal lives, but in your, uh, in, in your daily life, you know, totally. I, I, I found that I think will Wright and Jonathan blow would have a lot to talk about, uh, when it came to kind of reworking, oh, edu reworking education, um, uh, I'll, I'll read, you know, maybe I'll read the right quote now, actually. Um, you know, Will Wright makes SimCity, all these Sims offshoots, The Sims, a hugely successful game designer. And um, he also made Spore. Um, I was going to get to that a little bit later, but might as well mention it now. Um, 2008 game, Spore. I played it myself, loved it. It's simulating, you know, the birth of, of life in the universe, eventually leading up to like intergalactic kind of life itself or interplanetary life. Really, really awesome game that I would, I would love to do for the pod one day as well. Um, Wright had a quote on education. Uh, I'll, re I'll read the quote now. He says, you know, the problem with our education system is we've taken this kind of narrow, reductionist, Aristotelian approach to what learning is. 
It's not designed for experimenting with complex systems and navigating your way through them in an intuitive way, which is what games teach. It's not really designed for failure, which is also something games teach. I mean, I think failure is better is a better teacher than success. Trial and error, reverse engineering stuff in your head, reverse engineering stuff in your mind, all the ways that kids interact with games, that's the kind of thinking schools should be teaching. And I would argue that as soon as the world that as the world becomes more complex and as outcomes become less about success or failure, games are better at preparing you. The education system is going to realize this sooner or later. It's starting. Um, and honestly, Matt and Lucas are the smartest people any of you know because we grew up playing video games all day. Mm -hmm, That's really mm -hmm. all it is. Checks um, out. So, you know, I think this goes kind of goes back to our, our thoughts. I know we share this sort of belief, Matt, and I, I've talked about this before on the pod is, you know, <laughs> grew up always being told that like video games will make you dumb or, you know, TV makes you dumb, that whole equating like, oh, the idiot box of TV, that's what video games are, right? And yeah, you know, <laughs> that's kind of the narrative I grew up under. And it was, it's cool that someone like Will Wright, you know, at that time was really saying the opposite. Like, hey man, you know, these, these kids are learning complex systems in these games um, and teaching, we're learning, they're learning about failure and success and all sorts of different complex things. Um, and games are the only thing that can really teach that um, in a safe way, right? Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, I, I, we can go on and on about education in this country, but um, I, I think that kind of viewing it in this sort of way is a step in the right direction. Yeah, then on that note, everyone, we do have a pretty cool episode uh, and anything's possible we did back in the day on education. And oh, like yeah. Well, good, it ties into games. So highly recommend checking that out. Talk a lot about our good friend, uh, Jonathan. Jonathan Blow. Blow. Yes. I'm the witness. Yeah. Gosh, I'm just going to say a real quick anecdote. I'm very interested to play that game, but hot dog. I don't know if I have the time. <laughs> well, now, you know, I think it's more within the realm of possibility um, these with days format, uh, yeah. with our new format of only playing the one game a month. Even uh, then, so, it's like so an 80 hour game, isn't it? May maybe. Uh, well, actually, 20, I think 20 hours a week over a month. That's a part time job. OK, it's a uh, OK. It's an 80 hour game if you 100 percent it, which is what oh, I did when okay. I played it. It's like a 25 hour game if you want to just play it. So it's kind of in that realm of like a regular AAA game. It's I'm bad at puzzles though, so it'll take me 50 hours. The 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 thing though is that they're not puzzles in in a regular sort of way. Right. Yeah. yeah. So I I would I would I would say that you're you're a smart guy and I think you will figure <laughs> figure them out pretty quickly. Um and if you're not smart, the puzzles are designed so well that you can figure them out regardless, um which yeah. I think is really great about that game. But um Oh, man, I love I love the witness. I mean, with our format now, people would have to vote on us to play that one. So uh, maybe one day our audience will vote on us to play the witness, but it, it's <laughs> it, it'll it'll be one day. Uh, cool. So it brings us to uh, sort of modern sim games. Uh, we mentioned earlier, you know, Farm Simulator, Goat Simulator, um, a whole slew of walking sim games, Microsoft Flight Simulator, all these sorts of things. Um, Matt, you know, I, I kind of wanted to talk real quick about sort of the, the Twitch culture real quick on these kinds of games. You know, I, I think that there really is like a, a huge culture of people that watch people play these simulator games and maybe don't play them in as semi of a way that we've been mentioning, but play them more in terms of like humor or comedy with that sort of edge on it. Um, Matt's got opinions on everything related to Twitch. So I just wanted to kind of throw it out and um, <laughs> ask him what he thought. Yeah, you know, I'll be honest. I I don't have too much insight 
I can't say I've ever watched a Twitch streamer that really plays a sim game, to be completely candid. That said, though, I can certainly see the appeal of it, especially if you work on a way to maybe integrate it with, say, your chat. I think that would be... You know, imagine if you get to have your chat vote on <laughs> do I put my do I take the ladder out of the pool or not? Yeah. You know? <laughs> That's pretty good. Yeah. Things like that. And I I'd imagine it'd be a great game uh, for Twitch to be engaged in because you know it's where you are affecting you know, it's almost like playing a choice based game interactively, right? Like Intel Dawn or something. But it's a way more way. sandboxy. Yeah, yeah. It's a very good way to interact with your chat. Um yeah, I don't. I can't think of any off the top of my head. I'm sure Moist Critical Penguin Z Zero has played it at some point. I'm sure Jiggy has. Um, Our good friend Jiggy has. Jiggy has played probably The Sims or something at some point. Uh, but not. I don't. I don't know. I, most of my I'll go, most of my Twitch interest these days is more so from the outside looking in, from like a macroeconomic level rather than a microcosm of following individual creators <laughs> totally well matt i mean i'm sure that some of our listeners out there um probably have watched a ton of twitch streamers absolutely uh, what play yeah. play simulation games and you know if our listeners out there are really looking to reach out to us or you know tell us about all the awesome twitch streamers that they watch that play these simulation games how could our listeners possibly do so I love that. I love that. I love that. Um, everyone, you can reach us at thanksforplayingpod at gmail.com. That is our email account. As well, you can also find us on our social medias. Uh, you can find us on Twitter, TikTok, and Instagram at TFP Podcast. That's TFP Podcasts with an S at the end as well. Uh, in the link trees in each of those social media handles, you can find our discord link and invite to go hang out in the discord that's probably the best way to get in touch with both lucas and myself uh if you want to oh, maybe even leave a review you know you can leave a review on wherever you listen to your podcast Please. that helps out as well uh tell us you know would you leave a review and tell me if you would take the pool the ladder out of the pool if i was in it um <laughs> And yeah, uh, it's a good time. But yeah, coming on the Discord, it's a good time. And if you want to, you know, harass me on Twitter for my hot takes, um, particularly on Super Metroid Prime, if you haven't or Super Metroid, if you Super haven't Metroid. listened to that episode yet, you can come shoot us, uh, come follow me on uh, Twitter at Good Idea Matthew. Great. And you can follow me on Instagram at Good Idea Lucas, and of course, reach out to me on the Discord. Uh, the Discord is actually pretty valuable now uh, because what we are doing is uh, we're playing one game a month now rather than two, scaling back a little bit. Um, check out our Stay of the Pod episode, our previous episode, to uh, to kind of listen to our announcement there. Um, and we're voting on the games that we're going to be playing every month. So um, April is yeah. Elden Ring. Uh, next month's game, May's game, is uh, getting voted on actually during recording here. Uh, Matt, who's in the lead right now for the for the voting? So right now we got Sifu in the lead right now, actually. So we have four options. We have Sifu, Ghostwire Tokyo, Civ 6, and Shadow of the Colossus. So right. a lot of good games over there, a lot of options of um, what you can pick. Uh, yeah, Sifu leading right now, but honestly, I'd be pretty happy to play any of these. They all seem like really cool. Yeah. Uh, really cool games. And I, I really, I'm really excited about this new format I got going here. I'm optimistic and excited with the, you know, interactivity we'll get to have with the community here. I think it's going to be a good time. Right. 
Awesome. Uh, okay, uh, one more thing I wanted to bring up here. I just want to kind of leave off with this, which I, I think was uh, very, very interesting. There's actually a study I found, um, and the name of the study is Learning from SimCity, an empirical study of Turkish adolescence. Um, found this to be really interesting. Now, if, if you're a guy like me, uh, I... Uh, Matt, I'm not sure if you, you kind of feel this way too, but... Um, you know, moving from a city like I lived in previous, uh, which was Las Vegas, a very gritty type of city. And when I say gritty, I mean grid, like G-R-I-D. Um, everything's on an XY axis there. Um, you know, every single street in, in Las Vegas basically runs through the entire city. Um, so I can give you directions very, very quickly. As opposed to the city I live in now, L.A., uh, which is super, super all over the place in terms of streets. Yeah. <laughs> uh, where just to get to Matt's house from my place, I like have to go over a bridge, literally have to go like through two neighborhoods over a bridge, go through like 10 stop signs, two red lights, um, and like make a right turn, a left turn, and drive around a high school and go up a hill and down a hill. So it's like very all over the place. Um, and, you know, I think city planning, uh, and all that kind of stuff is is tricky, you know, especially when things develop in a certain way that they develop. Um, and one thing I've always thought about is like, you know, city planners, you know, how you kind of design something, what are, what an ideal city looks like. Um, some really interesting subreddits that kind of follow civics and city planning and things like that, which I find very compelling. And uh, this 2009 study actually found uh, that, uh, you know, the sample size of 140 13 year old Turkish adolescents um, in the experimental group, uh, after playing SimCity for about eight weeks, uh, it was discovered that the experimental group actually had a higher respect for city authorities, mm. uh, had a higher respect for city planners because they themselves found that it was very hard to create what they even felt was an ideal city, as opposed to, you know, very old cities that might exist now, cities like L.A., you know, how hard it is to really plan around a city like Los Angeles, which has had a lot of organic developments over the years and hilly and there's a bridge there, you know, can't get rid of that bridge. You know, that is, <laughs> they can't get rid of this historical yeah, street, can't redo yeah. this. And, you know, I think that one thing that a simulation game can actually do is give you those rules, sort of give you those guidelines and, and teach you that even within those very, very clear, perfect conditions, it's going to be difficult to accomplish your goals. Right. And uh, I, I just I just thought that was cool that there was a study out there that was done with a video game that sort of found that to be true, where people go, oh, this is kind of hard. Uh, I have a lot of respect for the city authorities because I cannot understand this. I mean, if you so. can't even do it in a video game, right, how are you going to be able to do it in real life? So I think anything that can give appreciation to wonderful civil servants of the world is probably positive and maybe we need some of those people over here in la because our city is a mess as far as traffic goes <laughs> yeah it is it is and uh, it takes me like 15 20 minutes to go two miles sometimes oh dude two I and know. a half miles three miles whatever it's rough it's rough i know yeah, all right not great. uh moving on wait i think i think that's all we got actually that's all we got right, yeah actually, yeah we already we already gave our uh wonderful little ad spiel uh, ad spiel uh earlier but yeah, I, I highly recommend everyone, if you haven't, um, first of all, go check off the Game of Life that we mentioned earlier, not the board game, <laughs> although that is a sim game in its own right. I mean, we should have talked about it too as a board game. Um, go check that out. It's super interesting. You can play around there for five minutes and have a good time online. And as well, I you know, even if you never 
played a sim game, you know, or aren't too familiar with them, just maybe watch a quick YouTube video on them. There's a really great YouTube video just on the history of Sims. It gives a really good overview. Um, also dives really, I don't think we touched on this, really dives deeply into all the expansion packs and how clearly they recycled them over and over from yeah. each <laughs> Sims game. I'm talking about these Sims specifically right now by Maxim, or not Maxim. Maxis. Maxis, that's right. By Maxis. So go check it out. It's some interesting stuff. And these Sims are, without a doubt, whether you like them or not, iconic in that's right. history that's right um cool and you know for those of you that they're listening to the episode and you're a big fan of sim games you know let us know what you're playing you know is farm simulator really the truth um is it really that sick you know am i missing something you know I, i'm interested Should in we all still be playing stuff? farmville yeah <laughs> farmville is probably the opposite of yeah. a farm simulator shoot man we didn't even talk about like stardew valley or oh yeah so i guess i was really are, touching do those on- count so they do they are in the broad sim category right mm-hmm. like a farming simulator game like i mean there's no other way to describe stardew valley or like um you know harvest moon and things like that but i'd say like there's hard hardcore sim games are really what's what's been really like popular these days and kind of messing with the engines to like you know take the hardcoreness into like kind of a parody to, sort of level so i don't know yeah. farm simulator go, like you know, Microsoft Flight, Flight Simulator is like a perfect example. You know, that recently got a perfect 10 out of 10 from IGN. And like, you know, what was a miracle of modern technical achievement to like recreate all of planet Earth. Uh, so that is like the, kind of where the modern simulator has gone. Um, you know, I'm a huge, huge Stardew Valley fan. Uh, I wouldn't say it's a realistic representation of farming. Um I honestly feel like it might deserve its own category a little later down the line when we kind of refine these as gamers. Um, but I mean, you can't really compare something like Farm Simulator to Stardew Valley. It's it's kind of yeah. it's, it's probably gonna you're probably gonna find some problems there when you try to say that they're this, in the same genre. Um, yeah. But uh, yeah, in the same family, not necessarily the same genre, I suppose. Love it, right on. Cool, awesome. Well, that's all I got, Lucas. You got anything else? That's all I got. All right, everyone, this has been. Thanks for playing. Catch you next time. Scoobity bop. Thanks for playing is a production of Good Ideas Only. Your hosts are Lucas Luna and Matt Rockaby. Our music was done by the impeccable Samuel Luna, and our logo design was done by the talented Isaac Palestino. Special thanks to the Royal Call Bunch and Red Circle 